Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I am joined by husband and wife team, Ruri and Laura, co-founders of Food on Fire. Ruri, Laura, welcome to the Public Eye podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, before we begin, as always, I'm going to give a little background on Ruri and Laura and their company. Now, Food on Fire was previously known as Great Northern Larder, founded by Ruri and Laura in 2016. Great Northern Larder no longer had the meaning that it once had, and the duo decided to rebrand in 2022 to something that better explained what they do and who they are today. Now, Laura, a trained baker and a pharmacist by trade, always had a keen interest in food and nutrition and had formed the business as a vehicle to explore and work with foods local to the Dundalk area. Now, Ruri, a software developer and lecturer, has always had a passion for food. He floated the idea of making sauce from high quality local ingredients. And in 2017, they launched a range of local artisan sauces. There followed a few years of developing new sources, getting into supermarkets and building a brand. However, they soon discovered that this wasn't what they wanted for the business. And in 2020, when COVID hit, the business became a food box company doing home deliveries. Continuing to make sauces, they stopped chasing supermarkets and trying to take over the world and spent their time driving around eerie roads, delivering beautiful local produce to lockdown food lovers. Around this time, they both became obsessed with barbecuing and live fire cooking and the business then pivoted again from a food box company to a barbecue supply company. And who knows where it's going to go next. Ruri and Laura, you've been on quite a journey. Laura, let's uh, start with you. You've you've recently just rebranded at the time that we're recording this today to Food on Fire. But it has been quite a journey to date. It really has. Um, it's really lovely to hear the journey, the way you've put it there, actually. Um, it has been absolutely massive whenever you're whenever you put it so straightforward um yeah look i mean great northern larder is it's still our baby um it definitely is where i mean the name great northern larder joins both the north and the south for us it's kind of following the great northern railway that's where the name came from we both um moved from different parts of the country to settle near dundalk um so that name really will always be be with us but this year the business has completely changed well in the last year and a half and we've just started cooking over fire and that's just that's just where the business is right now right well we are recording this actually I don't know what time people are listening to this today but we're recording around lunchtime and I just know that the tummy's going to start crumbling (laughs) (laughs) Uh, barbecuing sounds just wonderful uh, right now Um, yeah when you do hear Ruri an introduction like that when you see all that you've achieved since 2016 do you pinch yourselves yeah sometimes it's a little bit hard to 
look back with a, a nice overview like that and to see how the business has evolved and developed. Um, I'm always saying to Laura, I think it's really important for us um, in the business community, there's a lot of talk about the end game and what is success and where your business is going. And I keep saying to Laura, this business has been sustaining us and giving us a life for five years now and a very enjoyable life, meeting lots of people and having lots of experiences. And to me, that's a success. So uh, it's stop worrying all the time. You know, when you do start something, I understand that feeling. You think, when, when's it going to end? When's yes, the bubble going to burst? Yeah. But it just keeps opening up more opportunities. And it's about going through that door, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I think it's very, very enjoyable. It's very hard. But it's very enjoyable if you allow yourself to treat your business as a journey and as something that you do rather than something that you're trying to build or that, that you know, the end game is to sell it or to turn it into a, a multi-branch superstore, mega structure, whatever it is. If you can just enjoy what you're doing and enjoy working in the business and the fact that it's working for you, I think that's a, a good place if you can try and get to it. So at what point did you know you wanted to start a business? Because, uh, you know, I've, I've told everybody, Rory, you're a software developer uh, by trade. And Laura, you've got, you're the trained baker now, but also a pharmacist. So <laughs> did you ever think when you were studying your pharmacy um, exams that you would be doing this? Definitely not. Um, I wasn't sure uh, how long I'd last in pharmacy, in fairness. But I'm, I'm still there. I'm still, I'm still working You're in still pharmacy. You're still working as a pharmacist? Yeah, I still do a few days. Ah. Um, and in fairness, I really enjoy it. I, and I meet a lot of people through it as well. Um, but I've always just had this love of cooking. Um, and I suppose then when me and Rory met... Tell us about how you met. That's another story. Um, but uh, we actually met online. But... Um, I suppose lots of people do yeah, these days. Yeah, I know. And it was, uh, I suppose it was nearly 10 years ago. So it was not as common then. But um, we, when we first met, we, I suppose we visited quite a few nice restaurants in Dublin and definitely shared our love of food. And from there, we just, I mean, we just think that Ireland has the best produce in the world to offer. And that's, maybe where the business came from we came up with the name and stuck with it the business grew from there so Rory do you remember that moment when you thought okay we're gonna do this I do well Laura entered a, a competition it was the young entrepreneur Ireland's best young entrepreneur mm-hmm. and I can't remember what motivated you to enter the competition um I was I can remember we were on holidays, I think it was in, could be in Tenerife or Spain, I'm not sure. And I was sending this poster on Facebook to my friends. You should enter this, you should do that, you should. And then I was like, why, why am I not entering that? So that's where, that, that's actually where it came from. Um, I decided, decided to enter ourselves. Did you have a few ourselves. pina coladas and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I might have done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we entered. I just about reached the age bracket and <laughs> went for it. Um, and that's where we decided then to make sauces, really. Okay, and what happened next, Ruri? Yeah, so, well, when Laura was doing that competition, um, one of the people, one of the mentors involved in it was a very nice man called Rob Marr, who's a kind of a business mentor around Loud, uh, very positive. um, And when Laura went in, she was, for want of something to kind of talk about and to have a business idea for, she was talking about cakes and baking. And he said to her, um, well, it's more of a job than a business. So maybe you come up with a product and think of something that you could actually sell and that could expand. 
So she came back and Ida was at this kind of desire to try and make a brown sauce. I, I just think brown sauce is just it's just really fascinating product. Um, Why? The history of brown sauce is basically it comes from Victorian England and at that time uh, England was kind of the head of an empire and there was all these spices coming from different continents, be it Asia or India and different fruits and foods. And in uh, I think it was a pharmacist actually in England decided to throw them all in a big pot. There uh, you go. Mm-hmm. He boiled it up, he tasted it, he thought it was absolutely disgusting and he left it sitting there and about a year later he tried it again and it had really mellowed and blended into something very unusual. And brown sauce is, it's not tied to any particular culture or part of the world, it's just this mishmash of different things that are thrown together and even the colour. When you're making sauce, the one colour you want to try and avoid is brown, (laughs) which is the (laughs) colour that every sauce tries to go to. Um, But in brown sauce, they didn't try and avoid it, they just went with it. And that always kind of fascinated me and interested me. So I said to Laura, let's make a brown sauce for this competition. So you've always been a brown sauce over ketchup? Oh, I definitely hate ketchup, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love ketchup. (laughs) Yeah, I make sure there's Heinz in the house. (laughs) Others are available, of course. Yes. All right then, so you knew you were going to start with, let's make a sauce. Mm. Yeah. what, what, What sauce did you come up with? The brown sauce was just, it was kind of around the same time as the competition. The recipe was written, it was cooked, and I was presented with a bottle of brown sauce to bring in. We didn't win, I didn't win the competition, but I made so many contacts. Um, It was fantastic. And then from there, from the brown sauce, we then went to make a tomato sauce. Mm, Then we went on to chilli sauces, and the range just expanded then after that. Oh my goodness, that's Mm. so exciting. So, So even that first presentation, what was the pitch? Oh... Oh, what's the pitch now? It's just so natural. It's so we we make all of the our sauces from apple cider vinegar, and it's either apple cider vinegar comes from either Louth or Armagh. So delicious. We mix it up a bit. Um, yeah. So that's our our base uh, in all of the sauces, and the flavors then in the rest of them are all just from natural products. It could be it could be plums that are in season. We use fresh chilies. We use um, Irish onions, Irish carrots. So, I mean, the, our preservative is as natural as the apple cider vinegar, and the rest, um, the rest of the flavors come from either fresh spices or fresh ingredients that we get from around the country as locally as we can. So, how long do you have to let the sauce do its thing? A bit like the the brown sauce, Rory, back in the day. Um, he left it a year. How long do you? Uh, leave it before it it does its whatever it does. <laughs> We've what yeah. does it do? Ferment or what does it do? You can ferment sauce, oh. and, and we do actually make a fermented chili sauce, which takes about three months. Mm. Um, but most of the sauces are quite fresh. So with the brown sauce, the recipe has probably been tweaked over the last hundred and fifty years to to make it a you know a slightly smoother taste right from the beginning. But definitely, it does age really really nicely in the bottle. Um, once it gets to be three or four months old, that's when it's at its best. All the flavours have mellowed and become really nice and the remaining kind of vegetables have really broken down and gone through the sauce and it's just a really lovely flavour after that. So with these use-by dates as well, would you stick to those? Uh, I wouldn't, personally. <laughs> we do. We put a year on all of our sauces. That's what they were kind of tested and approved for, but I think we have sauce at home for five or six years and we open a bottle every now and again and it just gets better and better. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries. 
from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. What do you put the sauce on to try or is it literally just to have a dip and... Well, the, the brown sauce, we recommend it with cheese and crackers. Mm. If you're trying it on, say, like a market stall. Um, the chilli sauce is just uh, crisps. Perfect. <laughs> Salty chips. crisps, chips. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I mean, they're all used. They can all be used for cooking with. Um, or they can be added on to your sandwiches um, or pastas. A kind of as an after sauce as well. But you, you, can, you can do that with both. Or you can do both with them. Now, Rory, how did you end up then in the whole barbecue world, this cooking on fire? It's um, been something that, that came about during lockdown, but where are you at now with food on fire? So I bought my first barbecue well over 20 years ago now. I've always loved barbecue. Uh, I think it gives a much, much better flavour to food. I always say to people, if you get your first barbecue and you want to instantly know what the difference is and what's better about barbecue than just cook a chicken because chicken is just a completely different um, product when it comes off a barbecue than out of an oven. Cook a whole chicken? Whole chicken. So it's talk me through that. So what are we talking about with your barbecues? So basically... You uh, sell the barbecue as well? We don't sell actual barbecues, but we sell charcoal, we sell cast iron, we sell uh, wood for, for flavour, so I'll explain how that works in a minute. Um, we sell fire lighters, we sell lots and lots of sauces and spices and rubs and loads of accessories that you need for cooking with barbecue and over fire. But essentially, to cook any kind of food, all you really need is heat. And if you use fire, whether it's on a barbecue or whether it's on an open fire, you just get a very different type of heat. There's no... It kind of it's coming from one place. It's it's kind of it's going up and down, and it's changing, and it's varied. And there's air coming in, fresh air, and there's all these different components that come together. And then usually with a a barbecue, we try and introduce some flavor through wood. So you might have a bit of charcoal, but you might introduce say oak or ash or cherry or whatever it might be. And the smoke off the wood will give you a a flavor and a color to the meat. So, for example, if you cook with cherry wood, it gives a lovely, lovely deep red colour to pork or chicken. Wow. So it's very like the way um, maybe Chinese or Mongolian barbecue has uh, is full of red colours. But a lot, a lot of the time that's dye, but if you can do it very naturally with cherry wood. And basically, yeah, there's it, just something about cooking a chicken or a piece of pork on a barbecue that just makes it so juicy and so tender and just brings so much flavour to so it. So at what point do you... You know, how long do you leave everything to the charcoal and the wood before you pop the chicken on? So if you're using a really good natural lump wood charcoal, so lump wood charcoal means that they have literally taken the branches of trees and they have burnt them in the absence of oxygen. So they burnt them they burn them in a kind of a kiln. So what that does is it strips all the moisture and all the kind of sap out of the wood and it just leaves what we know to be charcoal, a real black kind of dense piece of wood. And that piece of wood, then there's no kind of, um, there's no toxins, there's no moisture, there's no sap in it. So it's just a pure wood flavor and it burns really, really hot. So that's what charcoal is. And if you're using natural lump wood charcoal, all you have to do is get a bit of fire underneath that. So some kind of uh, natural fire lighter or a piece of newspaper. 
that will catch fire quite quickly and within about 15 minutes it'll die down to a nice glowing embers 15 minutes right it's very quick so uh, the, the one thing always avoid the the kind of the, the easy light charcoal yeah. with the basically petrol I think it is on it um, because that's going to taint your food so if you use a really really nice charcoal you're going to get a really really nice flavour or even the old uh, fire lighters stick yeah, to the natural ones don't, don't. There's you can get quite partial to the smell of fire lighters <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want that on my chicken no. food, so yeah. how long does the chicken take to cook then because we all know we've got to get the, the chicken cooked right a chicken on a barbecue tends to cook quite a lot faster than in an oven. Uh, you could do a whole chicken, if it's small, in as little as 45 minutes, or it might take an hour, depending on the size of the chicken. But another really, really important thing, I think, in barbecue is a thermometer. So an instant read thermometer. So there's diff- there's a bit of a um, controversy around what temperature your chicken should be at. I personally prefer it cooked to a lower temperature, but the official line is it should be 75 degrees mm-hmm. Celsius. So when you put your thermometer into the thickest part of the chicken, it should read 75 degrees Celsius. So whether that takes 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes, that's the important part is that it's cooked to the right temperature. This has turned into how to cook a chicken Mm -hmm. on a barbecue podcast, but it is fascinating. Um, Yeah, I'm going to definitely give that a go. Where do you stand with the old gas barbecues? I don't. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it all sounds fabulous. And if you have these gorgeous barbecue products, um, and I suppose it works just as well for vegetables as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And then you add your sauces. Yeah, or more so the, the at, the, at the minute, yeah, the spices. That, that's so talk me through all the products there, spice-wise. So my favourite at the moment for meat is definitely our steak seasoning. Uh, we use it quite a bit, even uh, even if we're not cooking steak. We could use it on a roast chicken mm. um, or on roast potatoes. It's full of loads of lovely black pepper um, and a bit of cumin. It's just it's, it's a beautiful flavour on it. But, I mean, this the spices and seasonings can go directly onto the meat. Um with or without oil, uh, most of our rubs don't have salt in them, so you can salt or sugar, so you can just adjust the flavour to your own taste with salt and sugar. But yeah, the steak is our favourite at the moment, and then for vegetables, I would go for our roots seasoning, which is full of a bit of paprika and onion flavours. Um, again, on carrots, parsnips, in even seasoned soups, um, or we did. I uh, you know we've done stuffed peppers and corn in the cob uh, with the seasonings on top. You see, these th- it just adds a whole other dimension yeah. to what you're dishing up. And even a Sunday roast or whatever yeah. would be just wonderful with with a, a few extra spices that you wouldn't have considered before. And they're very, they're very, very easy to use, very quick to use. And actually, the, the, the more popular one actually at the minute, if you're liking your chilli, is hot wings. Our hot wings uh, seasoning is fab. Oh my goodness, right, I really am very hungry. <laughs> but you know, you've, you've pivoted again. Pivot has been the word uh, to describe your business. Absolutely. Um, it's actually quite enjoyable in, in, I mean, you're always thinking of what, what do you want to do next? What can we do next? And we're not actually then, we're not tied into one kind of we haven't put ourselves in one kind of box i know we're, we're barbecue but i mean at the minute we have um we were talking about meeting so many people we're actually bringing an american barbecue over this weekend to bring him around to ireland 
and that's going to be great fun. I mean, it's not... An American barbecuer. How does one get uh, to be a barbecuer? I mean, what does that involve? Well, yeah. I've never even, I didn't even know what was the job title. In fairness, I didn't either. Um, he's He has made him become famous on YouTube. He was also a software developer in a previous life. Can you tell us his name? His name is Harry Sue. And Rory has introduced me to him in the last year. Uh, has introduced me to Harry Sue's YouTube videos and chatting to Harry on the phone in the last few weeks he's just exactly the same he's he's such a gent um so I can't wait to to have that trip around has he sampled any of the spices or the rubs or he has his he has tried ours and he has his own so we're selling his as well oh I see we're collaborating lovely <laughs> and will he uh, hopefully do a YouTube video or two with uh, your Abs- product absolutely yeah. that's the plan yeah. um, wh- how do you embrace that whole world the influencer world we I I like it I, I have to say there's a lot of negativity around influencers but at the end of the day it's somebody who's putting themselves out there and saying, I enjoy doing this, I want to do it, and I want to get some reward for it. So I understand there's a bit of a line if they go into a restaurant and ask for a free meal without yeah. any... I, I get all that, but I don't think most of them actually do that. It's just a few that do to give them a bad reputation. But we work with a couple of influencers, and they're very open and upfront. They say they put up an Instagram post and say, hey, we're working with Food on Fire, and they've sent us a few of these sauces, and we're going to do it on chicken today and fish tomorrow, and here's some really nice pictures, and if you're interested, go and see their website. That's great. And do they work? They, they do work. Uh, some of them more than others. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely gets us... Uh, I suppose that's the bottom line, if they're, if they're actually encouraging people to buy your product. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also think that we can learn a lot from um, them as well. We can learn a lot from, from other people cooking and barbecuing online. I mean, that that's... I mean, we watch a lot of YouTube videos on cooking. I That's how I, I learn about bacon as well so i mean and, and hopefully we can teach people something from our videos and from that's our, what i was going to say yeah. how do you are you fitting into that yeah model I th- too i think that i mean i know myself knowing nothing about barbecue from before the last few years i have learned a lot um about how to cook properly on a barbecue and what to use and I think that through we have we have run a few barbecue events this summer and I think that people have learned from us. Like we did a collaboration last uh well actually two weeks ago with Slemish Market Supper Club in Ballymena and Rob Curley is a top chef. Rob and Gary Godfrey, um they're top chefs up there. Um and we got to collaborate with them for the weekend and I was just I was in awe because I learned so much from them. What was your top takeaway? Um yeah, just just be prepared, prep, prep, prep the whole time, and then the evening will just run smoothly. So we served up for thirty five people, and it was completely different for us. We we did our our thing was the barbecue, so the chefs got involved with that, and they I, I feel like they learned a, a bit from us from that. But we got to then learn how to plate up in a fine dining way. Oh my goodness! So, so it's it really was, taking barbecues to the next yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. I've never been as tired. But I was, uh, it didn't matter. It was fantastic. It was so much fun. Well, I always remember my um, late father, he used to call it, we had a hat for him called the King of the Barbecue. And my mum used to be in the kitchen. She'd have been slaving away all day doing the prep <laughs> and doing yeah. all of the other bits. But he literally just cooked the meat on the barbecue. So many men listening to this. Yes. Are, you will all be <laughs> nodding now and going, yep, that is what man and fire. <laughs> yeah, but actually, you know, that's, 
there was a the salad had to be done, the potatoes yeah. had to be done, all <laughs> of the vegetables. That's the hard part. I know. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we can't take away their their pleasure but and their need, glory. You need meat to help um, with the vegetable, help flavor the vegetables, and vice versa. So it has to come together. <laughs> yeah. But you're a good team as well. And how do you work together? Um. <laughs> Bit of a we? delay there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I mean, we like, we are a good team. We uh, we were talking actually about this interview earlier, and one of the questions, or one of the questions that came up in my head, or one of the the issues was that Rory would could be any time of the day. We turn out Laura, I have an idea, and Rory is the ideas man, but sometimes. Ideas need to be switched off for a few hours. <laughs> what was the idea? Um, probably to make a brown sauce to begin with, and then to become a barbecue business. <laughs> <laughs> and look, oh, exactly, yeah. But you work well together. Do you think that, Rory? Absolutely. It's it's very hard to explain, but um, like I do work on my own sometimes. When Laura's in pharmacy, and other times she's working in the business on her own. And it feels like you're just keeping it ticking along. But when we're in it together, it's just so much more powerful. It just moves and things really start happening. Um, and definitely when we do events together, it's just like we're more than the sum of our parts, I think. We just make we just make it move so much so much stronger and so much faster. Um, and it's hard to put your finger on why that is or how it is, but it's... It, it, it just works so much better with the two of us. And how do you switch off from work, or is it is it always being talked about? Do you know we we do take a bit of time off and we go. It might be a few days away camping or um, off on holidays for a week, and it's generally during those times where we come up with the best ideas there of moving forward in the business. It's. Um, I'm always talking about. I need a break from work, and we need to do this, and we shouldn't be talking about it. But look. When you're most relaxed, that's when you're going to come up when you when you see things more clearly and what what the next step should be. But talking about what what we both bring to the business together, I feel that over the summer with our barbecue evenings that we carried out, is that we both have um, the knack for hospitality. I don't know if if Furry believes that or not, but I, I when we're together, we have the knack for hospitality. I'm going to be brave and say that, and I think people will leave our evenings. Well fed, but I think they'll also have the crack as well. They'll meet other people. Um, and that must be so satisfying. Yeah, it really is. Like, I mean, after the first one that we did in the summer, I was on a high, and so were you. Like, Rory definitely mm. was as well. We were both buzzing after it. Um, and we got lovely feedback as well. But I think people make friends at events like that. Uh, so hopefully we can continue to do those as well. And how do you grow then? Because that takes a lot of hard work. At the minute, it's mm. great, it's lovely, it's fantastic. But if suddenly you go mega, how many barbecues can you do? What do you do through the winter? How do you, how do you make sure that you're getting enough downtime too, Rory? I think our business, first and foremost, is an e-commerce business. And we've always tried to remember that. So we do barbecue events, we do... Um, collaborations we do we do a little bit of catering sometimes um, we, we almost do anything that takes our interest to be honest as long as it's somehow around the core barbecue food team but we're always conscious of the fact we always say well why are we doing this we're doing it because we enjoy it but also we get some good photographs we get to showcase some of our products we get to show you know we get to promote barbecue as a kind of a culture and an experience and 
the whole point of all of that is to drive people to our website. So as they buy barbecue rubs and spices and cast iron and everything else we sell and charcoal and whatever it might be. Because in terms of growth, that uh, kind of an events-driven business is uh, it's definitely limited, especially if people expect us to be there standing in front of them doing the barbecue. Mm. You, can, you can only do five nights a week at the most. Mm-hmm. And there's um, it's a small country. So I... We're always conscious of the fact that it's the e-commerce business that that has to be first and foremost because that's the one that it will eventually support us and grow and maybe maybe um, be our exit strategy from the business to go and start something else. Um, so does that answer your question? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you work? Do you work all the time on the business? Obviously, Laura, you're still doing the pharmacy. Rory, have you still got anything else on the go? Are you still pl- spinning a few other plates or? Do you think you'll get to the point where you would give up the pharmacy or other work? Yeah, I think Laura would love to give up pharmacy. Um, Don't tell my boss. No, nobody's <laughs> listening, don't worry. <laughs> and that that's, uh, I, I think, uh, we're, we're not far off it. I mean, it's, I think what's good about Laura staying in pharmacy at the moment is it allows her to just keep her skills there and mm. it's a nice backup. For me, in software, it's a little bit different. Software is a kind of an all-or-nothing game. Laura can do one day a week in pharmacy, and it's fine, whereas software companies would expect me to do probably 70 hours a week. So I couldn't really um, balance that mm-hmm. with running the business. However, a big, big part of running the business is running the website and the technical side of the business. So occasionally, just a random example, uh, Listoke Distillery is a lovely gin distillery in County Loud, and I did their website recently. Um, and the reason why was because it kind of complements what I do. I might have learned something new from how they run their business and how they run their website, and I could do it quite quick. And and actually, we did. The, I didn't even get food. We did a nice country deal. We got a few uh, nice bottles of gin and rum out Perfect. of it. So and you cooked them a chicken. <laughs> and actually, we're doing. We might as well stick in a little plug here. We're doing yeah. a collaboration with Listoke on Saturday week, which would be. I know I should give a date for a podcast. Seventeenth of September. Seventeenth of September. And that is twenty twenty two. So if you missed that, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, but we're doing a barbecue at the distillery where you can learn how to. Uh, make gin and learn how to make barbecue sauce and eat loads of good barbecue food. And that's gorgeous, isn't it? The collaboration that exists between artisan food producers like yourself because it is that strength and togetherness and when you have that network, you all complement each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think that... um, Especially, we are a small country and it's not hard to meet up with your local producers but we are in a network called the Boyne Valley Food Producers. That's quite quite a new network in the last few years. And they have really supported us and allowed us then to meet other producers, collaborate with them, find out really what's going on in the area around us. And it, yeah, it's a really, really nice community to be a part of. At what point do you think you'll employ somebody? Well... Maybe when we go on holidays next month. <laughs> no, we have. have you got we, it <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay. We um, we do um, have help from some friends and family that will step in to do our orders when when we are having a break. Um, so hopefully we'll get busier, and we'll need to employ someone more full time. In terms of being on a business journey, and we started really with that theme, but. Um, 
you know, what's the biggest lesson you've learned about running a business when you both haven't really come from business backgrounds as such, Rory? I think you need good support. Uh, we have a really, really good accountant. Um, I know yeah, the local enterprise board in Loud, and I know there's an equivalent here in Newry. There's quite a few of them here. Actually, Newry is really, really good for, for supports. Um, and I, I think I think you need to take advantage of that. I think you need to ask people for help and support. But I think it's also really, really important that you don't necessarily uh, do everything they say because at the end of the day, they support a lot of businesses and I'm sure it gets a little bit uh, routinized in that they give the same advice to businesses. And of course, you want to be a little bit different and, and kind of, um, you know, paddle your own canoe. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to take support when you can get it, uh, have a good support network, but also keep your own independence and drive. Um, but I think most of all, I think it goes back to what I said earlier, I, I'm i gone off listening to kind of these American style podcasts and business podcasts where they talk about, uh, you know, how to become a millionaire really quick or how to work a four hour week or how to have everything in life, how to be really successful and just there's here's the key to this and here's the key to that and everything's very, very simple. I think you really, really need to enjoy yourself and just live for the moment and enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the business. And of course you want to grow your business. Of course you want to become bigger. Of course you want to become successful. But even if you don't, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to end up 10 years down the road and look back and say, well, this business hasn't been a success because it closed down for whatever reason. So that was a waste of 10 years. No, it wasn't a waste of 10 years. I want to look back and say that was the best 10 years of my life. Oh, I yeah. absolutely loved it. Um, no, Laura, you're kind of raising your eyebrows. If we had a camera on you, you're well, kind of going... Laura wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, you've got the formula? Have you got the formula? <laughs> My face tells everything. Um, talking about being a good partnership, again, is that I am not a risk taker at all. And Rory is. So we've just had to balance that out over the last few years and you do just need to sometimes close your eyes and take a jump and see what happens um so yeah it's and that's it's, worked yeah yeah it has and i i, I mean i'm so not just saying that we're close your eyes and jump <laughs> <laughs> trust him have fun as well well <laughs> you might be that millionaire yet um it has been so great talking to you let's tell people where they can uh buy your products before we move on to the big question at the end so what can people do if they want to try out the great northern larder or food on fire it's food on if you our website is foodonfire.ie or .eu or .uk but look if you if you google food on fire or great northern larder we're going to come up um, our website will come up for you or you can find us on instagram and facebook as foodonfire.eu Fabulous. And maybe book you for a barbecue or some demonstration would be fantastic. Fabulous business. Very exciting. Um, The purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs that you used to be to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Food on Fire. So final question, what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk, Laura, is worth taking I would say um, just go for it I really would at, the, at, at this fight like five and six years down the line if I had have started a cake business on the side of my pharmacy 
I may still be running the cake business. I might not be. Um, I probably won't. Uh, wouldn't have after meeting Marie and we're doing barbecue. But I would say, look, just just start. Just um, get yourself an Instagram page. If you have a product, see how it goes. And, I mean, we, like we, we are a cottage kitchen um, startup, really. That's where we started. We started making sauces in our own kitchen and we just kept growing. Have you progressed from the kitchen? Uh, yeah, we have actually. We have, we have, we have. <laughs> and Rory, <laughs> advice from you? Despite being the risk taker, I think I agree with what Laura says. Just go for it. But I also I I think don't don't risk what you have. I, I don't like hearing about people remortgaging their houses for their business and stuff like that. Be realistic. Businesses do fail. They can't fail despite everything you do. Right? It could be the best idea in the world, and you might just not get the breaks. So I would say yes, do it. Go for it. But do it in a way that you are conscious of the fact that you can get out if it all goes wrong with your health and your sanity and a little bit of money. Rory and Laura, co-founders of Food on Fire, thank you for being my guests on the Public Eye podcast. Thank you. Good thank luck. Thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.